Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. Welcome to another episode of the Sales IQ Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonenzi, and as always, I am pumped, honored, and excited that you have joined us for what will be a fantastic episode. This week, we are joined by Bernadette McClelland, a fellow Aussie who has making her mark globally. Bernadette is an author and also helps CEOs and businesses have better commercial conversations. So this is going to be an incredible episode. I was fortunate enough to spend some time with Bernadette in Atlanta earlier this year at the biggest and baddest sales conference, Outbound. And it was insane seeing, you know, the way Bernadette conducted herself and engaged with, you know, with such a great audience. And so this is going to be a, a brilliant conversation that, uh, that you know, you will really enjoy and hear about sort of from Bernadette's perspective of, you know, what the selling mean to her and the psychology of sales. But before we get into today's episode, please comment on what we're doing, like us, share us, rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Keep sending me notes. I've had hundreds and hundreds of notes and emails in the last couple of weeks talk telling me a bit about what you like about the podcast, how it's helping you, um, what are some of the things we could do to improve. So so keep that coming along because that feedback is critical um, in enabling us to be the best that we can be. So guys, enjoy the show, um, take some time, take some notes, and then make sure you connect with Bernadette because she is someone that can help you be the best you can be. Finally, I have a fellow Victorian, a fellow Melbourneian on the show. So welcome to the show, Bernadette. Oh, so good to be here. So good to be here with you. Fantastic. Now, for it, for those of you that don't know, um, we have Bernadette on the show, and I was fortunate enough to see her in action at the biggest, the baddest global sales conference in America called Outbound. Oh. <laughs> How cool was it? It was cool. There's a lot of truth bombs being dropped, and, uh, uh, and Mike's book, new book, um, oh. Sales Truth. Absolutely, it's fantastic. I started. Bango, bango. Yeah, <laughs> Bernadette. I started listening to it last week because um, you know I'm on this. I'm on this mission to to listen to a book a week, but I'm I'm struggling to keep up. But I managed to get through that in like three days. I just couldn't stop listening to it. It was awesome, um, and uh, it was good to you know to see him live as well. Share some of his yeah. passion about you know our profession. Absolutely, absolutely. So we've got a pretty cool session today. We're going to talk about sales psychology and a few other bits and pieces. But before we get into that, we'd love to hear about you know yourself and how you started in the world of sales. Um, well, yeah, probably um, like there's, I guess there's two parts to this. One is just by accident and the other one was on purpose. <laughs> um, I, I came across um, from New Zealand when I was um, 18 and, and um, hit the shores of uh, Queensland and went door knocking. Wow. Um, so- selling stationary sets um, to homes on the Gold Coast and the proceeds were going towards multiple sclerosis. And that was purely by accident. And I was earning $7 an hour back then. And that was like, this is cool. Wow, this is just such a great way to have a job. (laughs) A few years later, I'm down in Melbourne and, um, and I began working at Xerox. In Melbourne, and I came on board as a data entry operator, 
I moved into credit, then became a sales secretary. This is all pre-mobile phones, pre-computers, all that kind of stuff. Um, And then I um, took on the role as sales coordinator. And it was in the role as sales coordinator that I was able to match um, the commissions by working out the commissions, match the commissions with the guys that were actually making the commissions. Yep. And I remember looking at, at this piece of paper and then looking up at this one particular guy and thinking, my God, if he can earn this, then so can I. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, um, so they had a, um, they ran a program for trainees, bringing on new trainees. And, um, and it was at that point in time I applied three times in the same month um, to become a trainee, and they kept knocking me back. And they, they kept – the reason was that I was too nice and I wasn't aggressive enough. Wow. So this was back in the, you know, mid-'80s. Yeah. So um, I actually marched down the hallway to the managing director's office and I actually showed them how um, aggressive I could be. <laughs> and uh, and I got the job. <laughs> so um, it was on from that point on – um, from sales trainee, 20 years I was with the company um, in total. Um, loved it and left as one of the most senior sales executives in, in one of the specialised areas. So um, I then took, you know, a step out and um, and started working out working on my own. So um, that was uh, that was my journey. And and of course now I I'm got my own consultancy helping um, CEOs who are um, sales driven. Yep. To actually help them optimize their performance and speak at conferences like around the world and and love what I do. Yeah, fantastic. And and at Outbound got to see your passion and your energy uh, engaging with people, which was which was fantastic to see an Australian really, you know, um, flying the flag in such a, a, a huge place. And do you know what? It was Anzac Day, and I did have <laughs> our flag draped over the table. Yeah. So Anzac Day in America. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fantastic. So, I mean, you've also authored a book, uh, The Art of Commercial Conversations. And what inspired you to sort of write that book? Um, I think what it, I mean, you know, I've written a, a few books over the years. And um, and I think it was, it's probably more my growth as well as, yep. um, as a human being. Um, and moving away from the tactics of selling you know I'm going to leave that to you know the the other experts that are out there that focus in on negotiation and prospecting and closing that's kind of not my thing what I was finding um, and it was probably also as a direct result for about three years I worked for um, a guy out of America called Anthony Robbins oh yes sorry so, who, who, I don't I don't think we know who that person is <laughs> <laughs> so I I was brought on board as um, Tony Robbins's um, business coach for Asia Pacific. So yep. I worked with clients, you know, across twelve countries, and um, and also his platinum clients. Wow. And what I was finding was that it didn't matter where or what the challenge was that's put on the table. It didn't matter at what point of the business that particular person was stuck. And the same with sales. It ultimately came back to their psychology. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we bandy the word mindset around a lot and we also bandy the word motivation around a lot. And and both of those words are important. Mm. You know, motivation stands for, you know, a motive for your action. So what's your reason behind your action? Um, but psychology 
digs in deep as to the behaviours and and what is truly preventing you. And there's lots of different tools that you can use to kind of move people. Um, but also what I've brought into it and bringing into my work even more is the marriage of psychology and neuroscience yeah. um, along yeah. with strategy. So don't get me wrong, there is still, you know, I still work with businesses to get their strategy and processes right. But bringing in the, um, the biology, the brain mm. and our behaviour into business yeah. is, uh, is really where the power is. Yeah, fantastic. And just going back a step, right, because... I mean, Anthony Robbins is probably one of the most well-known professional and personal development people, you know, globally now, um, has really created a movement for himself and he's a bit of a rock star, right? Um, but during that time of, of coaching his clients and you talk about the mindset, the, you know, the motivation, um, what were some of the, the learnings that you had during that time? Oh, um, look, there's so many, and in the book, I actually um, allude to um, to one of them, and 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 that is, um, you know, there's you've heard of Maslow's theory, yeah. Yep. Um, you know, where it, it takes us right up to self actualization from survival. Um, Tony Robbins has a a model that's very similar, um, it presented differently, um, and he he refers to that as the six core human needs. And so when I bring it into the sales world, for example, um, you know, there's, there's six core needs that we all have, and that's the need for certainty. It's the need for variety or uncertainty. That could be risk. It could be adventure. Yeah. Um, certainty is, you know, where you want things the same. So if I look at a sales environment, I'll say, okay, that person who is not picking up the phone is in an unresourceful state of certainty. Yeah. He wants to be safe. And so when we get too much of one thing, we crave its opposite. Mm. So if we are in a state of um, sameness and predictability, um, you know, and we're always being wrapped in cotton wool, we will eventually crave an environment where we want some kind of variety or adventure or risk or, you know, just let me run for it. Mm. But when we get too much of that, then we go back and we want to crave that safety and that security and predictability again. So, you know, there's six core human needs. So if I just take those two for, for this podcast and, and I say, okay, if we're looking at a sales team and they're not picking the phone up, they're not, you know, doing their lead generation, they're not making, doing the key performance activities that are going to lead them toward their KPIs. Why is that? And in one of the cases, it's simply because they are in this state of certainty, but in an unresourceful way. Mm. So how can we flip that and how can we turn that state of certainty to be really, really resourceful? Because yeah. anything we think about or anything that we do, we do it in an either an unresourceful or a resourceful way. So we have this need for a human need to be safe. So what I say to the guys is, okay, let's flip it. Let's just, you know, stand up. Let's get into a, you know, like a physiological state of power or freedom or whatever that emotion is that you want to exhibit. And let's just say, let's get into this state of certainty that says, you know what, I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm in total control here. Variety, uncertainty, bring it on. Yeah, okay. You know, so 
I don't know if that makes sense in, in an environment like this podcast here, but but that is one of the things that, you know, we need to be able to flip our human needs and put, take them from an unresourceful um, space and turn it into a totally resourceful space that serves us. And so on that, if we are wanting, because I think there's a difference between, you know, I want something but I haven't got the desire to change or give it a go, right? Um, you know, sometimes we our fear stops us from moving forward. If I'm in that position where, you know, I am being unresourceful, what are some strategies that I can as a sales p- professional um, execute on to get me outside of that zone? Well, first of all, I think you, um, I think you need to acknowledge it. Yeah. You know, first and foremost is, you know, when you're talking about high performance here mm. and in any high performance environment, the number one of the one of the key um, determinants of, of a high performer is somebody who can take full responsibility. Yeah. And so if you have a salesperson who is in that state and hey, we're, we're all the same here, by the way, yep. I totally still get into those feelings myself um so what the first thing is is to acknowledge it Mm. and to say okay this is where i'm at at the moment this is how i'm feeling um and and this is what i know i must do so i'm taking full responsibility of that but the other part of a high performer is you you use the word desire you know they really want it yeah is how badly do you want it and 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 then the commitment follows that. So if you really badly want something, then you will do whatever it takes to do that very thing. And so I say to um to sales, you know, sales leaders, sales people, I'll say, hands up those of you that want to be successful, and every hand goes up. And then I'll say, hands up those of you that want to be successful in selling. Hands go up. Yeah. A little bit slower and then I'll say to you say to them then show me your calendar for next week show me how up-to-date you are with your CRM show me your prospecting call plans so because they're not doing what they have to do to do the job mm. does that make sense yeah absolutely that is absolutely you know what that, that, that definitely resonates is there's one thing, you know, going, well, I'm, I want to do it. Like I've got, you know, my hand up, but what I'm actually doing. Um, and it's funny because I, I, I love what you're talking about here. There's, you know, there's a salesperson and I call them, um, I'm actually going to disconnect from a, a sales professional because I've been having a chat. He's been asking for a bit of help. Um, he's not performing, not even, you know, nowhere near meeting his target. And when we, when, when we assessed where he's at, um, you know, rocking up a minute before start time, um, mm. maximizing yeah. his lunch break, having multiple coffee breaks, and then yeah. leaving sort of right on time. And I'm like, well, I can't help you because the effort required to achieve the target is actually, it's quite hard work, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and not, you know, let's not even talk about exceeding the target. Let's just talk about meeting your target. And so, he says he wants to achieve, but his actions are telling me otherwise. And so in that point, there's not much I can do to help him from a coaching perspective. 
No, except except level with him. So yeah. you and I both do a lot of coaching, and you know this is where it's interesting that you say this. Um, one of my my clients, um, and and I love my clients. So um, this, I've I've started working with a, a sales team, and one of the guys, um, um, so everybody had accepted their calendar invites, and there was this chunk of time in my calendar where I was coaching hadn't received um, some pre-work. I hadn't received some pre-work for this particular guy. So I messaged him that morning. His call with me was 10.30. I messaged him at 8.30, said, hey, just, you know, checking in, um, just see if you can forward to me. And and he's come back and rang me and he said, I'm just letting you know that um, that I've, I've got another appointment with somebody today. Yeah. And it's some, a client and whatever. And I said, okay. I said, can you forward to me your pre-work? Um, he said, I don't have my computer with me today. And so I said to him, okay, answer me this. Have you done the pre-work? <laughs> yeah. And the answer was no. Yeah. So kudos to him for being honest there. So what I said to him was, you know, you forfeited today. Yeah. You have forfeited this call. And so the next time he's come back, he is so totally on board now. Um, but, but I want to share this story with you. Um, and and your listeners, because this is the power um, of of being able to shift uh, or interrupt somebody's pattern of thinking. So this particular, I'll carry on with this particular guy. So we've we've had our um, our first session. Yep. Was a week later, and um, and we actually addressed this particular behaviour. And um, we didn't talk about a deal. We didn't talk about anything like that at all. We actually addressed this particular piece of behavior in that half hour. So I gave him some homework to do, to actually go and seek feedback from clients, from peers, from management, to do a complete 360. And um, and so our second session was uh, earlier this week. And yeah. I'm so proud of this guy. <laughs> and so he's come back and his feedback was that his clients who had known him from a previous employer had said, we have noticed that the usual polish you used to show isn't there anymore. You've slipped. Mm. Okay. So here's where I'm coming in now. So that's the backstory. Yep. So do you mind if I tell you how I addressed this? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think okay. there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of us that, we we and myself included, right? We fall into that that point of sometimes a bit complacent, or we 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 we're not in the zone. So this is great that you're able to share a real life story with us. So we all have evidence and reference points of where we have done the very thing we're not doing. Okay. Yeah. So I happened to ask this guy. I said. Do you play sport? And of course he said, yes, I play cricket and I play soccer. I'm thinking, great. Yep. I know nothing about soccer. I know a little <laughs> bit of cricket terminology. So now I said to him, first question, so were you a batter or a bowler? And uh, he said, a batter. And I said, great. He said, how, and I said, so how have you gone as a batter? And he said, well, he said, I'm kind of fallen down, the, and forgive me cricketers out there because I'm now using the wrong lingo, but I have <laughs> fallen down the ranking and I'm sitting between batter and bowler. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, this must mean something. So I said, um, right. So I said, so, so tell me, have you ever been opening batsman? And he said, yes, 
couple of times. And um, and I said, how did that make you feel? And he said, yeah, really cool. I said, and I asked something about I said, so what's dropped you down? How come you've dropped? And he said, hmm. And I said, it's a little bit like work. So I said, what was it that made you um, opening batsman? Like what made you get there? And he used the word polished. Well, yep. And so, so now I'm seeing a connection of words. So I said, right, okay, so a polished batsman, what does a polished batsman do? What does an opening batter do to be, be, be an opening batter? Skills, turning up for training, team spirit, he rattled them all off. Yeah. I said, okay, here's what's going to happen. I said, how would you like to be perceived as being the opening batter for your global company. Mm. And so in a sales environment, I'm talking here. Yep, yep. So that whole metaphor, that whole correlation between, and he, you could feel the energy on the call between both of us. Yeah. And so now he knows, now he has linked in his mind something that he's passionate about. There's this model that he now has that he's he's dropped the ball literally in business mm. and he's also dropped the bat in cricket. Yeah. So what does he have to do to lift both? And he knows what he has to do. Yeah. So his first thing was sending a, a thank you card to the people that um, gave him feedback. So that now has created an environment and, and, a, and a new, that, that particular guy has pulled out of himself referenced and has evidence of being that high performer and and now he's can now he can relate it to something that he's passionate about does that help absolutely and there's so many like if you when hearing your story and we, we you know if, if we go back and clarify a couple of things there's that um willingness to accept feedback absolutely and I sit, I, mean, I get the great opportunity, just like yourself, Bernadette. We get to sit with, you know, um, people from all walks of life, and it's awesome, right? The learning we get um, is every day, it's, I, I learn something new. And there's a particular client that I'm working with quite intimately at the moment, and their highest performer, and has been for a number of years, maybe once or twice, one month, or, you know, she hasn't been number one. And when I look at her, I spent a whole day with her, and at the end of the day, um, she said to me, right, you spent the day with me. Her very first question was, what can I do to improve? Mm. Now, that, for mm. me, again, it reinforced to say, you know, and I get the opportunity with other salespeople that have been doing their job for 10, you know, 7, 5, 20 years going, well, what, what could I learn? I've been doing this. Mm -hmm. I, I know everything. And they're polar opposite yeah. You know, thought processes. Yeah. And you've and you've just mentioned that you've got a person that wants feedback. And there's, you know, and and I think who says it? You're listening to understand um you know, I, I can't remember who said I was looking at a quote book the other day and, and and something that but that for me is one of the key traits that I see high performers and not just in in sales but in every aspect of life is is the ones that really embrace that feedback. Um, and take that feedback on board. Yeah, and you know what? We, we've all had feedback. We've licked our wounds. Yeah. <laughs> we've got 
but egos take a little bit of a, a you know a bruising but but those that can that can get past that and you know this is another one of the key traits of a high performer it's you know taking feedback is part of it mm. um but the other part of it is resilience and and when we when we talk about resilience you know we, we tend to think it's you know bouncing back or yeah, it's yeah. That typical meaning. But in the world of selling, resilience has a different meaning. So, yes, we get knocked back and we get feedback and we get all of that and we take it. So it's either those that do take it or those that don't take it. But the extended part to the word resilience is not just whether you take it or not, but it's how long it actually takes you to get back up on the horse again. Yeah, absolutely. And so, does that make sense? Yeah, and you know what? I think we're living in a in a world where there's so much, um, like, and I see it. It's I, I call it fatigue, and especially mm-hmm. you know because of social media and there's a whole range of in, in external mm-hmm. influences that are telling us to work harder, work harder, work harder. And mm-hmm. I think our ability from a resilience perspective is getting a bit more difficult because expectations of on us to achieve more and more is higher, right? And, you know, I find personally from a resilience perspective is, you know, do I call myself resilient? I I think I I am pretty good. Um, I've had those knockdowns in sales. I remember, you know, the biggest biggest impact in my career, Bernadette, was being told you cannot sell. I went for that Mm -hmm. sales rep's job. I was inside sales. I wanted outside. I wanted the car, you know, the the good old days where the sales rep got the car. They got the phone. They even got the special polo top, right? And I wanted that. And three times, the third interview, the lady said, you're not good for sales. And, you know, this is my, um, I, I, I tell you why I love this story. I haven't shared this story before on, my, on the podcast, but, and I was so devastated because I had no education. I thought, right, I've got to go get some education. That's, that's what I need because, you know, how am I ever going to get ahead in life? And so I went back to uni and for a few thing, reasons, I couldn't continue after three months. Um, and I fell into a role, an admin role, and then before too long, I was in sales. Now, fast forward four years, I sold back to that company that rejected me. I did a $4 million sale with them, right? So that was the ultimate sales redemption. But, um, you know, it wasn't until I really took that feedback on board and used it to motivate me. But then fast forward again, and then there's moments in my career where I feel like I've got great resilience, but because I'm so burnt out, because I'm tired and you know, we're not just selling we're, or we're not just working. We've got family. We've got, you know, the house commitments. There's all these external things that are happening. And our my ability to manage through that moment of darkness, you know, and in sales, we can have some really dark days, can be quite challenging. Mm-hmm. Have you had that experience before? Um, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I made a conscious decision um, that I was not going to, I was not going to put myself in a situation where I would get burned out. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, one is from a health perspective. So, um, you know, I've, there's history with me and, um, and, and a business and my health and we went bankrupt. So oh, we've okay. not been out of bankruptcy. So for me, from a health perspective, um, that was critical. Is like my health is, is, is too important for work to – um, you know, and it really is that if you are lying on your deathbed, it is, I wish I didn't spend another day in the office. And we've all heard that cliche. Yeah. Yep. And so I 
Um, I understand that people's roles need things, you know, people's businesses, people's roles, whatever, people's outcomes need um, sales. Um, and that part's really important, but we teach people how to treat us. Yep. And so there, we only have time and we only have so much time. And the quality of that time is really important. Mm. Now, Anthony Anarino talks about doing things in 90-minute chunks. Yep. Um, Matt Church in Thought Leaders talks about doing 90-day projects. Mm. So it's, it's you know, it's almost like there's this, if you can capitalise your time, if you can chunk your time well. Um, and, and the other part of it is bringing in the neuroscience, bringing in our brain. You know, in order for our brain to function as a high performer and to be decisive, um, to be... Um, rational to you know to bring in the right level of emotions it needs to balance out yeah. the prefrontal cortex and the limbic part of the brain now if you are burning yourself out you are living on probably the, the, the high levels of cortisol which are stress is the stress cortisol is a stress hormone and if you are burning yourself out you are in survival mode and when you're living in survival mode, your prefrontal cortex is not operating at the optimal um, state. So yeah. therefore, you're not you're making decisions that aren't spot on. Mm. You're you know you are living in that reactive rather than that proactive state. So based on that, I would um, I would consider that that people take time out that they do look at wellness that they so I'm you know I'm just going to share something very personal here it was uh, Australia Day weekend and um, my husband had been in this type of environment and he was in Darwin at the airport and um, he had just messaged me he said you know I've just got this email this email um, and I said you have my blessing pull the pin yeah. And he resigned and he's now got another job, you know, he's in late 50s, yep. this beer thing. And I said, it is not worth you being on, you know, having high blood pressure and, our, you know, our relationship at home being mm. um, impacted by somebody else who's probably not even giving a thought to you. Yeah. So, you know, I think, and it comes back to that whole thing, you know, have the guts to stand up for yourself, be brave, put your boundaries in place. Yeah. And that's with clients as well as with your own, you know, um, work environment and be brave about it, um, but do it with intention. Yep. And Bernadette, I really appreciate you sharing us such personal stories. Um, and oh, I've heard that, and I've, and I've heard that story before, and, you know, really, you know, about your, your previous business and how, you know, you use that to really fuel um, your future state and your goals and aspirations. And, you know, I, I want to say that when we refer to high performance, I'm not necessarily, you know, I think people get mixed up and go, well, I don't want to be the you know number one salesperson. No. That's okay. Where I'm coming from is, um, you know, we see the data. There's a lot of data that says, you know, what is it, 60% of sales teams are meeting quota or not meeting quota. There's some conflicting data out there, right? And... I see it all the time when a large portion of people are going to work and leaving, going home and not feeling satisfied with the outcome that they're getting from their job. 
Now, whether we like it or not, especially in sales, the end result is a big part of our job, right? We're judged on the number. Um, and that's why I think one of the things that I picked up on what you said, that Anthony, you know, talks about the 90-minute rule, something that I loved from Mike's book was being selfishly efficient. And mm. you mentioned that. You said time. Now, whether it, you know, we all know that the more efficient we can get with our time, the more time we can spend with our family or spend on, on other activities. Most of us don't go to work because we want to work. I mean, there are a portion of people that love to work, and I love to work, but my work enables me to be a father. It enables mm -hmm. me to take my kids out on the weekend, like this weekend's Toy Story 4. It's come out, Bernadette, so I'm very excited. Uh, <laughs> you know, you can see the kid in me. I've been, I've been to all the premieres with my kids, so we're very excited to, to go to that. But for me, that's, that's what drives me to get up in the morning knowing that I can make a difference to my kids' life um, and help them be the best that they can be, right? Absolutely. So I love the fact that you share and say there are some components within that, time, wellness. I mean, at the end of the day, the last thing you want to be, because I've been there as well, where you're that high performer and you're going home and you're completely stressed and you're checking your email at 11 o'clock at night and you're responding and you're going, "What? this is nuts. I'm, I'm, I'm not present with my family. My daughter's talking to me, and I'm and I'm looking past her, thinking about something completely different. Um, you know, and and that's what, that's what happens to us, right? So, and and it does, and that's the dopamine. That's the the, the chemical dopamine yeah. kicking in. Yeah. Know? So the thing is, when you said before about being selfishly efficient, it's important, and that's that's cool. But it's important that it's more than just being efficient. It's it's important that we are being effectively Effective. efficient. Yes, I like that. And, and so, so what, where, where I, you know, I mean, I've shared some, of, you know, a couple of things um, throughout this conversation, but there is, um, is also a tool that I use that, that measures um, things that are deeper than um, desire and, and commitment and responsibility and having that positive outlook and all the rest of it. When you start to dig even deeper and you start to, you want to be even more effective it's starting to look at, at um, the DNA that you have as a sales professional. And I love the fact that when you talk about high performance, it's not just being number one. I totally agree with you there. Um, but it's things like, um, you know, your need to be liked. Yeah. You know, and it's this whole um, need for approval. And, and it's what do you make money mean? You know, so when you start to kind of dig a little deeper into, you know, the DNA um, competencies that, that all salespeople have, you start to see what's holding you back from maybe asking different types of questions or what's stopping you from um, pushing back on a, a client conversation. So all of these things also come into play. So we actually get deeper and deeper into the meta um, you know, the, the deeper parts of psychology and, uh, and neuroscience, and mm. that's where the game changes. Yeah, this is so cool. This is such a cool conversation, by the way, because this is, you know, like, and again, this is, guys, for, for all my listeners, all our listeners out there, um, the skill part of the sales process is, is only uh, a small portion of everything we do. I mean, what Bernadette's talking about, the mindset, the focus on stress, you know, these are things that are in our circle of control. 
that you know when we spend time on we can we can really create an environment for us to be successful and i like what you're saying what is that definition of success because what the mm-hmm. definition of success for me is very different to some other right. and probably de- very different to you i mean like I've, I've touched upon my kids they're a big part they're they're one of the you know the, the circle of my success is, is is built around you know them um, yeah, you know, and, and that might change as they get to, you know, my daughter's 17, as she gets to 18, 19, 20, and I'm becoming less, you know, important, Bernadette, you know, and she says, I'm, I'm out this weekend, Dad. I'm like, oh, you know, I've got to schedule time with them to go to the movies, you know. <laughs> it's completely changed, right? But they are still, the, they're still, you know, the focus of my world. Um, so I'd love to understand from your perspective, and I ask every guest this, sales it is is it a science or an art oh you know it's it's whatever you want to make it <laughs> and um and that's not a sit on the fence thing it's yeah. um you know my books the art of commercial conversations but in it i talk a lot about science um you know we look at, at the jobs of the future and we look to where you know the the role of of all of us um is going and the the top three you know, critical skills for jobs of the future is problem solving, critical yeah. thinking and decision making. And you yeah. look at that and think, where's this, where's that got to learn how to close, got to overcome the objections, I've got to get on social. Where's all that? It's yeah. not. It's not there. So, you know, it's a mix. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because do, I do skills matrix for a client and after interviewing a bunch of people, problem solving was like highest on the list. And mm-hmm. the sales skills were like the you know the last three or four on the list. So everything mm-hmm. else was you know um, multitasking, uh, critical thinking, all those skills that you know primarily back in the day, like when I was, and I'm not that old, but when I started selling, it was all about you're right, closing, um, closing options, uh, techniques, mm-hmm. handling objections. Um, mm-hmm. So it's really interesting how how the world is cha- you know it, the world is changing. I think the fundamentals of sales are, are absolutely still the same, and I'll, and I'll argue that till you know I yeah, love so that I, debate. I, I will absolutely absolutely agree with you there. You know from from way 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 back. You know we've always been taught find the problem, find the problem, yeah. find the problem, um, because that's what we're we are actually selling change. Mm. Yeah. And all of us, it doesn't matter what our product is, we're selling change. So if you think of you know find the problem, solve the problem, find the – that is what a salesperson's biggest – well, biggest um, – when we talk about jobs of the future, the biggest skill is yeah. problem solve. Absolutely. So, you know, it's a bigger picture yeah. than just selling. And so in your career, um, has there been one particular, you know, person that's influenced you and had a real impact on you? And, and if so, why? Um. <laughs> In my career, um, I would like to say um, in my corporate career, I'd like to say um, yes, but yeah. I, I, to be honest, the answer there is probably no. Okay. Um, I think where um, the, the people that have influenced me the most um, has been post-corporate. Yep. Um, there's a lady called Jill Conrath. Oh, yep, Snap Selling. We love Snap Selling. Yeah, so um, how Jill and I met was back in 2000 online and um, um, we reconnected in 2009 yep. um, and I had, you know, disappeared for like 10 years and, and I connected with her by buying her book and sending her a thank you when she came straight back on the email three minutes later said, whatever happened to you? 
<laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God. So now we started a dialogue and she invited me to attend um, a conference in Boston that year and um, and my husband said, you've got to go, you've got to go. So my, my daughter paid for my ticket because we would not long gone bankrupt. Yeah. So I went over and I have been going over to those ladies every year now for the past eight years. Oh, fantastic. Um, Women sales pros. So Jill Conrad, Laurie Richardson have been instrumental in um, in in me as a woman in in sales because um, here in Australia uh, they're few and far between. So um, so they those ladies have been absolutely instrumental. And secondly, is my husband who has just pushed me and backed me and allowed me to just run with my dream. Um, and so without him doing that. Um, I don't know whether I would be where I am today. No, oh, that's fantastic. I love to hear that. And you know what? Seeing Tim there by your side in the outbound was was brilliant. <laughs> you know, he was out there. He was networking. It was awesome. I absolutely loved it. And look, Jill, yeah, and I like, you know, Jill, and I had I had the pleasure of interviewing Deb Calver um, on the show from, you know, the author of Stop Selling and Start Leading. And, um, yeah. and I love that, you know, the fact that, there are so many, and, and you know what? We're getting better in Australia, but obviously, um, you're right. There, you know, women in sales. Um, we've still got a bit, a bit of way to go here, and I love the fact that in America there are so many influential um, females that are that are um, influencing the sales community. And yeah. you know, because my my, um, and I've I've spoken about this before with my listeners, but um, my mum was a pretty instrumental person influencing my career. She was, you know, working for Mary Kay. Um, old school, you know, like completely yeah. old school. And she was good, you know, top three in Australia. But um, you talk about wellness, you know, she worked so hard, she completely burnt out and had a, had a complete breakdown. And so I've got yeah. to, you know, I've got to see that, 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 that um, you know what, the balance of that high performance that, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, there's a fine line between going a bit too far right Absolutely. and 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 i got to see it firsthand as a, as a child going you know what my mum was so good and it, it was an addictive it was like an addiction that bang um so you know what more people like yourself contributing to our community is fantastic and i really appreciate the contribution you've made um to the community uh, bernadette um and i really appreciate you coming on to our show and sharing some really personal stories with us because there's been so much value that our listeners can take away from this um, and that's life, you know. That's yeah. life, and everybody's got their own stories. So, um, and I love yeah. it. I love that. I love what you're saying because, you know what? We aren't just robots that are going out there and making calls and getting in front of customers. We're people, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. we've got emotions, and you know that's what makes us unique. And the fact that the people that are listening to this are the ones that will never be redundant in sales because why? They're always going to be out there trying to improve their skill, improve their craft, and use science to enable them to get better at what they do. Absolutely. So before we wrap up, where can our listeners find about you? And we'll then also add that in the show notes. Okay. So um, LinkedIn, please connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Bernadette McClelland. Um, yep. And I am on um, Twitter as well. But, you know, I kind of don't really go there very often. But <laughs> if anybody wants um, to look at my book, The Art of Commercial Conversations, it's on Amazon. Yep. We'll put a link um, for that as well. Yeah, so look, just connect with me if anyone does want to just kind of reach out and send me an email. I'm, I will gladly respond, um, Bernadette at BernadetteMcClellan.com. Fantastic. Well, again, thank you. Thank you for your contribution, and we look forward to having you on again soon. 
Awesome. Thanks for that, Luigi. Bye. Loved it. Loved every minute of that conversation with Bernadette. What I loved about the conversation with Bernadette was it was raw, it was unfiltered, and it was real. It was authentic. So my challenge to you this week is, how are you showing up? What are you doing to be authentic, to be real, to be who you are so that you can provide the best service to your customer? And what are you doing so that you can be the best sales professional you can be?